Welcome to the Frequency 49 Show. I'm Paul MacDonald. Alongside me are Kev Nalen and Rob Newell. Hello to you all. Hi, Paul. Hi, Paul. Cat's uh, not feeling too well at the moment, so she's got the day off. Uh, hope you're feeling very well soon, Cat. And we think Deepak's watching the football. We don't actually know. So, Deepak, hope your evening's going well. The 2016 NFL season has come to an end. There are no more snaps to take. There are no more flags to be thrown. After 523 games of football, we have a 2016 NFL champion, the New England Patriots, having won their fifth Lombardi Trophy. The culmination of the season also means that the San Francisco 49ers now have a head coach and general manager in place. Cal Shanahan, former offensive coordinator of the Super Bowl runners-up Atlanta Falcons, takes over as head coach while the general manager spot is filled by John Lynch, a Super Bowl winner with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Both are signed to six-year contracts. Lots to talk about. Um, We're going to do a bit of a review of the season, guys. We're going to talk about the new hires, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, and we're going to look at the Super Bowl as well. In fact, let's do that first. That's freshest in our minds. The Super Bowl took place on Sunday. Uh, New England Patriots took the win in the first ever Super Bowl overtime game. That was a stressful game to watch, wasn't it, guys? Even from a non-partisan point of view. Not really, no. It's an enjoyable game to watch. Um, It did look like it was going to be a blowout. But it's a case of, yeah, you can never really write off the Patriots. Hmm. No matter was, how much uh, you want to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Half-time, that game was... You, you would have sworn that game was over, wouldn't you? And, you know, there will have been fans of both teams that went to bed with the results as it was, thinking, yeah, this game's over. And then woken up Monday morning with one hell of a shock at what the score was. So I'm going to bed early. <laughs> Not sticking with it. Um, for you guys, I, I know myself where I think that game turned, the, the, the specific turning points. But for you guys, where did you think the the tide turned from Atlanta to it being a Patriots win? I don't think necessarily one moment. I think it's... The Atlanta defence is young wasn't that highly rated played out of its skin for the first two and a half quarters just ran out of steam they were spending far too long on the um, pitch something we've seen from our own defence this year as well Yeah, and it caught up with them and the thing being is Belichick and Brady know how to win that kind of game regardless of how far they are behind Rob what about you did, are you the same sort of boat as Kev where it was a slow decline or did you see a specific point? Um, a bit of a foot in both camps. I think it all started to go in the second half, whether that's Belichick or Matt Patricia doing something to change that Patriots defence because the Falcons struggled on offence in the second half. Mm. But that that big lead, but even so, they were comfortable they just had to sort of take time out and off the game a little bit. And then they had that one second half drive where they got to the 30-yard line with about three and a half minutes to go. And that really should have been the icing on the cake. Three runs, take the time off the clock. And yeah. that sack 
bothered by the penalty on, I think it was Jake Matthews. And then knocked him out of field goal range. And I think sometimes sport has a, a way of just finding the best narrative. And the thought, the thought of Roger Goodell having to give the trophy to Robert Kraft and Tom Brady, <laughs> I think it was just, it was too good a thing to miss. It had to happen. See, for me, that that drive and failing to failing to go for the run on third down, that for me was the turning point in the game because I agree I agree with what you were saying, Kev, about the, the defence being so overworked. But if the Falcons had stayed in field goal range and if they had got that field goal, am I right in thinking it would have put it back up to a two-score game at that point? Yeah, it would have yeah, been 10 with, points. Yeah. With three-something minutes on the clock. doesn't really matter how tired your defence is. It's unlikely that the Patriots are going to be able to get two drive, two scoring drives in three minutes of offence. Because you're, re- you're relying on a complete collapse of the Atlanta defence. Then you're relying on getting the ball back on an onside point. And a second complete collapse of the Atlanta defence in the space of three minutes. Just look at the um, Packers-Seahawks championship game from a couple of years ago. That's exactly what the Packers did. Yeah, that's true. It is, but just because one team did it doesn't necessarily mean another team is going to do it. I mean, we'll never know. You know, we, we, we could debate this till the cows come home, we we would never know, you know, anything could happen, the field goal could go wide, it could come off a post. The fact of the matter is, they did collapse. Play calling. There's been some criticism of Shanahan. Um, Trent Dilfer and Steve Young have both been very critical of his play calling in the Super Bowl. Do you agree with that, or I don't? What would you put it down to? I think that's probably a bit harsh. Yes, he's the offensive coordinator in his corner plays. The head coach has still got to agree with that, and mm. Dan Quinn likes that aggressive style of play, and for people like. Trent Dilfer and Steve Young to be slagging that off when at the same time they've spent the last couple of years slagging off conservative plays made by the 49ers seems a bit rich, really. Mm. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the same guy drafted some plays up that saw like Devonta Freeman in the middle of nowhere with space all around him, like 40 yards on the same, the opening run of the game, I think. He's, you've got to give him, if you're going to criticise him for that for those calls, you've got to give him credit for the plays he got right. Mm. And, you know, and to get 25 points up in the Patriots in the first place takes some doing. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Although they, they made it look easy. They did, but I mean, that's got to be credit for that. But yeah. you've also got the league MVP at quarterback, and it's all, he could have thrown that ball away to save the sack. They didn't. And you can't you can't legislate for a penalty. Final play of the game, in overtime, the ball uh, it was a run from the two. Did yeah. it cross the line? Yeah. Two questions: Did it cross the line, and does it matter? Because they would have done it in the next play anyway. Did it cross the line? 
yes, it probably did. Um, they called it like that on the pitch. There was no way, there were no clear views that it could have been overturned. Yeah. yeah I saw it from several angles. Some angles it looked in, some angles it looked out. Before the knee was down, it looked to be a good call. Mm-hmm. Would they have made it on the next one if that got called back? Possibly. But there again, similar to the Super Bowl two years ago, you'd have thought, are they going to run it in again? And they might have passed and you got Butler popping up with an interception two years ago when you thought Lynch yeah. was just going to stroll into the end zone. Yeah. So you can never can tell if it had gone to another play. It wasn't guaranteed to go in. But there was, if it hadn't gone in, then they kicked the field goal. I'm not necessarily sure that Atlanta could have gone down and scored a touchdown. No. I think they hadn't stopped the Patriots in the last 15 minutes and they'd already had at least two plays from the two-yard line from the two-point conversions. They got both of them. There were three attempts. I think they'd have got in. I think it's fair to say. But I think they probably were in anyway. The only thing I would I'll say on top of that in the Super Bowl is obviously everyone's talking a lot about the Julian Edelman catch which mm. really what hit the Falcons three times before it came to him yeah and I think that takes away from the catch that Julio Jones made on the touchline which yes. for me was a better football play yeah I, the the Julian Edelman catch I said on the um, I posted on the group as well for me it wasn't so much that the catch was spectacular because it it wasn't. There was a lot of luck involved. What impressed me with that was the fact that Julian Edelman did not take his eyes off that ball. No matter what was happening, he was getting his hands on that ball. And oh, yeah. for it to bounce off so many legs and arms and hands, and he still he, not only did he still get under it, he was able to turn and keep control of the ball as well. That's what impressed me with that. Because let's not forget, that was looking to be an interception. It wasn't a great throw by Brady in the first place. I th- was it? T- I think it was tipped, wasn't it? It was back. We batted it up in the air, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it was bouncing around. But like I say, you know, for him to keep his eyes on that ball and to be able to get his hands under it and secure it, that's what impressed me. Oh, it was great concentration. I mean, what he was doing, yeah, and he, and he yeah. deserves credit for that. And I think the fact that they went on to win the game makes that catch even more important. But, and I think, the, as a football play, the, in the throw from Matt Ryan to Julio Jones didn't yes. seem to be going anywhere. And all of a sudden, yeah. Jones just picks it out the air and gets his feet down. That was that was a better individual play for me. And, yeah, and the beauty of that was it was a designed play. It wasn't. A look of the draw, it, you know, there was no luck involved in that one, really. And you saw the sideline of the Falcons when they saw the replay of Edelman's catch, mm. and it was just like a collective, oh god, yeah. And it, yeah, they, mm. I think if you're looking for when their heads really dropped, it's that catch. Mm. Yeah. It's the sort of play that went against the Patriots in the games that they lost in the Super Bowl. You know, the two Giants games when there were sort of miracle catches. David Tyree went off his helmet, I seem to remember. and There was a Mario Manningham one as well. And the, the Patriots to get that sort of play just sort of sealed it, really. Speaking of helmets, did you see the helmet-to-helmet contact in the game? Where one, I, I can't remember who it was, but one player's face gauge got stuck 
in another player's face cage. It was um, Martella Spennett, wasn't it? I think. Yep. Made me laugh just a little. Imagine getting flagged for taking your helmet off on the field for that. <laughs> that that would that would just be really bad officiating. Luckily, they didn't do it. Tom Brady, five Super Bowl wins. He's got five rings. He's won five trophies. I don't want to ask the question, but I'm going to. Is he the greatest? Yeah, tell you what, I'll, I'll give you three choices. I'll give you three choices. Okay. Is Tom Brady the greatest of all time? Is Joe Montana the greatest of all time? Or did Joe Montana own the 80s and Tom Brady owns the 2010s? Is it a case of they are both great in their own times, but they wouldn't be great if you crossed them over? Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean, yeah. I, I do know what you mean, and, but it, it, it's difficult to comp- compare... Mm. Plays from different eras. Yeah, because the the way the game goes, it changes. It's changed completely. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at purely Super Bowls, you've got to throw Terry Bradshaw in there as well. He he got four Super Bowl wins in the seventies. Mm. But that was a totally different type of team to the 49ers team of the 80s and 90s. Um, and again, the Patriots are just a completely different team again. But the thing that they've all got in common is the coaching to get the level of play up around the quarterback to a level where you can put players in and the system works for them. Yes, the 49ers had a raft of great players in the 80s. Um, the Patriots haven't so much had that consistently star players around Brady. I mean, but they've always had enough, haven't they? They've always had enough. It, it, you know, you, you couldn't put in... Uh, a whole team of rookie players and Tom Brady be able to take that team to a Super Bowl. They've always had enough talent to get them there. Maybe the 49ers had an overwhelming amount of talent, but Brady's obviously had enough talent to get into the Super Bowl. I think the thing is, Brady's consistent. They've They've built the system around him. He's comfortable, he's comfortable with the, the play that Belichick puts in. Um, and it suits him down to the ground. Would he necessarily be able to go somewhere else and win games to the same level? That's a, that's a different matter entirely. Mm. And that's something we're never going to know. Because if you look at his contemporary Manning, he's gone and he's won a Super Bowl with two different teams. Yeah. And he's been close on numerous occasions, losing out to Brady in championship finals and things like that. Um, and it's not necessarily all about the stats. It's just about how the people play. Yeah. yeah. Last question with regards to the Super Bowl then, and it's a Tom Brady question again. Are his five wins 
tainted with the spy gate with the deflate gate with the tuck rule okay the tuck rule wasn't a gate as such but are his is there an asterisk next to his five super bowl wins in the same way that mlb players are having asterisks put next to their names um Barry Bonds with the home run record, for example. No, obviously not for the same reason, not suggesting for the same reason in any way whatsoever, but are they tainted or is it just simply, look, the guys won five Super Bowls, that's it? I think it's... I think there'll be those who want to taint them in some way. But I think it's the same... I think you've got to basically sort of put your hands up and say, well done. He's to win five Super Bowls and to a fair degree, there's kind of a sense of inevitability about the Patriots winning these games. Or get into these games. Was it thirteen championship games they've got to? That alone, super before the Super Bowl, they're always there or thereabouts. And to get that consistency, yeah, they've all, they've always played at a high level, haven't they? They're always to do that in this. I mean, when the Forty Nine ers dominated, you had the the free agency era wasn't as prevalent. Yeah. It was easy to keep teams together, and, and they have done that, as you said, with. Well, the only common links really are Brady and Belichick. And, and if you have the arguments about is Brady the best ever, the bigger conversation is probably is Belichick the best ever. That's another question altogether. <laughs> well, I think some of the things that are levelled, the thing being is they're not the only teams doing this kind of thing. They're just the only teams caught. And they're not necessarily no. They're not even necessarily the only team getting caught. But what it is is because they are so successful over such a long period, mm. it invites the additional scrutiny and from certain quarters the jealousy to cloud the view that well nobody else does that. Yeah, well, other teams do do things like that. I mean, if you look at the Saints winning the, the Super Bowl, they had the um, the bounty. That's right, yeah. I forgot about thing. that. So, yeah. it's not just that there's one team doing that. It's people try to pull out whatever competitive advantage they can get to win. Mm. And... In the purest sense, that may not be the best way of going about it. But if your team had won five Super Bowls, and as a supporter, would you care that other teams were jealous of you? Surely, if other teams are jealous of you, that means that you're doing something good. You're winning things. That's why they're jealous. It's a damn good point, actually. It is a very good point. And I'd completely forgotten about the bounty thing as well. I think they just know they seem to be better prepared all the time than everyone else. That, that might be unfair, but they, if we can think back to the a couple of years ago when they played the Ravens, and they come up with that play and they sort of lateraled it out with like three linemen on one side and two on the other, and then Edelman threw it. And, and no one, everyone was going, well, that's an illegal formation, but it was within the rules, and Belichick seemed to know about it, and everyone else was like mm. questioning it. And he just seems to know stuff. <laughs> Whether he's put the work in and whatever, it's difficult to say how. But he does seem to be more prepared than 
um, more invested in what's going on than some other coaches, and he's in, in control of it. Shall we change tack and talk about the 49ers, considering we're a 49ers show? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, front office head coaching. Chip Kelly's gone. Kyle Shanahan is in. And Trent Balky's gone. John Lynch is in. What are your guys' thoughts, first of all, about the John Lynch hire? The John Lynch hire happened first, um, before the Super Bowl, obviously, Kyle Shanahan couldn't be announced until after the Super Bowl. So John Lynch came in. Apparently they'd been um, they'd been talking to him for a couple of weeks and it had been held completely secret. Um and th- this was on John Lynch's request. What 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 are your thoughts on him coming in? It was a surprise. Um obviously it wasn't a name that we were expecting. Yeah. Um, and he's come in from media. Is that a bad thing? Not necessarily. He's going to have contacts. Um, I think it's just a case of we're going to have to wait and see, does that work? Yeah. I know that the, uh, the John Elway situation at Denver has been cited as an example of somebody come into the GM position without any experience. Some people have said, well, yeah, he was involved in Arena. It's You're not really going to compare Arena and the NFL, are you? So, is experience necessarily a, a big thing? You know, do, do we need, did we need, us specifically, did we need somebody to come in that had experience? Or is it just a case of let's take a punt on John Lynch? And six six year contract is a big big punt, isn't it? It is a big big punt. The I think it was a signal of or the hiring of Lynch as opposed to some of the more experienced candidates that were being rumoured, whether mm. it be the Packers people or the was it the Donahue from Arizona or Patton from the Vikings. I think we're going down the John Lynch route, which obviously was. Approved by Kyle Shanahan in the first place. Yeah. From what they read. And, and obviously, Lynch apparently spoke to Kyle first and offered his services. So he's obviously confident about what he can offer to Kyle. But I think it's an indication of perhaps we're going in a slightly different direction to what the traditional GM role is. Because he, he won't have that experience of the sort of the scouting or the contract negotiations from the personnel point of view. But then they seem to have hired a people that do have that around them. Mm. And I think he's been brought in to sort of grow into the role to a certain degree, but I think for the time being it's sort of a particular focus he's going to be having to sort of be a sort of oversee football operations type GM role rather than the whole responsibility. Yeah. He's going to have a, a cast of characters there to do the things for him that he doesn't know how to do at this point. Do you think it's going to be a case of him learning off them? Because the chances are some of these people that have come in to do these roles, they're going to move on in a couple of years' time to other roles themselves. So is John Lynch going to learn from them and then maybe as they disappear off to other teams, he will then take on that role himself and slowly build up into the proper, into the, um, the general manager role that we understand it to be now? I believe so. I think 
the I mean, they brought in was it Adam Peters to be the pro personnel guy from the Broncos, which obviously is a Lynch contact from his time there anyway. And the surrounding people like that, who are supposed to be the up and coming stars of the front offices around the league, and I think it is an opportunity for him to sort of see to learn what he doesn't know. And I think in his press conferences, he's talked about knowing what he doesn't know and, and concentrating on what on what he can do and leaving people to sort of all contribute to the team, as it were. And so I think he's he's being open and honest to what he can do, and I think I think he will over the course of the six years should he see it out and I think we need to be patient and actually give both him and Shanahan time to settle into those roles now rather than do our usual one year and out deal but, and I think, I think he will learn and he seems to be quite a smart and switched on individual I think he has the respect of most of the league as well mm. I played football at Stanford under, under Bill Walsh um it's nice to have somebody, somebody in the office, office connected, connected to Bill, to Bill Walsh, Walsh, isn't it? It is, but it's before he was with the Niners. Yeah. Um, does it make that much of a difference? Because I, th- I think if he was any more than, yeah, okay, he's played for him at Stanford, I don't necessarily think he'd have got hired. Jed York still seems that he wants to ignore that period of history and do mm. things his way. So it could, have, it could have actually gone against him if he'd played under Bill Walsh as a 49er then, maybe. Possibly, yeah. Mm. It's an interesting thought. Um he was a Super Bowl winner, Super Bowl 37 with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, named to the Pro Bowl on nine occasions, retired in 2008, and has been a colour commentator for Fox ever since, which which we've talked about. In that role, um, and being in the media, he will have had a lot of opportunity to mingle with general managers of different teams around the NFL, wouldn't, won't he? And he... Uh, as you were saying before, Kev, he will have made a lot of contacts through that who will no doubt be helping him now or, you know, he'll have, he'll have got some experience from seeing them, from watching them that will hopefully help him in his role now as the general manager with the 49ers. Oh, hopefully, yes. And although it was unexpected and really unknown for him to be the general manager... I do think that, as Rob's mentioned, some of the people that he's then hired in around him actually kind of builds a bit of confidence in he's approaching things the right way and it looks like he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Certainly, the day it was announced, it was like, really? What on earth? But then within Mm. a couple of days, it's like, okay, yeah, I can see where this is going. This actually looks like there's a plan there. And the six-year contract was a bit of a surprise. Mm. But if that if the plan is that, yes, this is a six-year plan to get us to win the Super Bowl within those six-year period, and it works, then obviously we'll be ecstatic with it. Yeah. 
I was say, I think the six-year deal is probably because they were always playing a six-year deal for Shanahan, and they wanted to give sort of stability and sort of a front office that was not going to change, so they could come in and do the thing together. Well, going from the biggest secret in the 49ers off-season to the worst-kept secret in the 49ers off-season, and that was the hiring of Kyle Shanahan as the head coach. Um, was it 48 hours after the Super Bowl, the end of the Super Bowl, it was announced? Um, Kyle Shanahan's coming in. He was the offensive coordinator with the Falcons for two years. In his first season as the OC, he finished with a 500 record. Uh, went to the Super Bowl 2016 with an 11-5 record. Had the number one offense in the NFL and Matt Ryan as the league MVP. First of all, are we happy with the hire of Kyle Shanahan as the head coach? I think he was the best candidate that was out there being rumoured for coach. That was there six six jobs available at one point? Yeah. Out of all the people that have taken those jobs, so I'd rather have Shanahan over those. Yeah. Well, there was that thing, wasn't there, where I suppose as, as an impatient fan base, including the Bay Area media as well, as soon as Chip Kelly was gone, we wanted somebody in place. We wanted a new head coach in place. We wanted to know who it was. But there's that awkward situation, isn't there, where the f- the first ones hired are supposed to be the best, but they're the first ones available, and the first ones available are the ones that aren't playing in the postseason. Whereas... Because we've waited so long to get the head coach that we want, we've got, by the numbers, the best offensive coordinator in the NFL from last season. Yeah, and I think there's some fear there that because we waited so long and then basically took Chip Kelly because we needed somebody last year and the fear was the more it went, we're going to end up doing something similar because obviously it's Jed York's team and that was his pattern. But I think, obviously, the hope there was that it was going to be someone like a McDaniels or a, or a Shanahan, mm. somebody who actually was involved in games and not someone who nobody else wanted. Yeah, yeah. We we weren't scraping the barrel with this one, whereas with the Chip Kelly hire, we was it we were the only ones to offer him a position after he was fired by the Eagles. The only, the only professional only team. Only to even touch him with a barge pole, I think, was the... Uh... <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he's come in on the same six-year contract as John Lynch, tying the two of them together. As you were saying before, Rob, it's it, it looks like... Actually, I don't know whether it was Rob or Kev that said it, but they've been brought in together as part of a specific plan rather than almost a panic hire. Yeah. Well, it very much seems it's more of a plan this time around. Mm. Um, yeah, we'll just sack the coach and bring in um, a coordinator and then promote them, or we'll uh, sack the coach and bring in somebody that nobody else wants to touch with a barge pole. Yeah. So it does actually seem to be more of a plan and more thought through. And some of the other potential. Um, assistants that are looking like they're possibly going to be in place it all seems like it's 
very much more yes we've got a grip on what we're going to do mm. yeah I think that's definitely the case the, um, I think Jed's learned some lessons from the, the harbour bulky standoff from before and he's, the other thing I'd say is for a, I think Shanahan's now automatically the youngest coach in the league and to, to give him a six year deal at that age with the amount of responsibility they've given him to have a say over who's going to be the GM and everything else is an awful lot to put on an inexperienced head coach so that's why I think we need to exercise a little bit of caution to give him time to, to settle into that role Yeah, I think he will be good we just need to don't overreact in terms of Jed York don't overreact <laughs> if, it, if next year's not the bit an amazing turnaround and let's give him time to actually get it right six years let's see what will happen um Kyle Shanahan has announced that he or has he actually announced or are we just thinking that he is going to be calling the offensive plays himself doesn't look like he's going to be hiring an offensive coordinator to run the offense for him good thing bad thing I think it's a good thing I think obviously by waiting so long for a hiring of the head coach, he was obviously behind other people in terms of recruiting staff. Yeah. And he wouldn't gonna he probably wouldn't get a better offensive coordinator than what he could do anyway. Obviously he just won the assistant coach of the year for what he can do as a as an OC. Mm. Now obviously he did have Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, etc. to work with, which helps. Mm. But um and you let's just say you won't have that in San Francisco, but, but he, he right. used to... I think for the first year, that's probably a reasonable idea. But what he probably wants to then concentrate as you move on is that he'll want to get an offensive coordinator in for year two, possibly. Mm. And concentrate more on the... The, the head coach role. Suppose it's 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 going to be a similar situation, isn't it? Where you've got John Lynch learning on the job as general manager, and you're going to have Cal Shanahan learning on the job as a head coach while he's doing another role, while he's doing the role that he's already familiar with, being offensive coordinator. Yeah, pretty much. And I think. As a fan base, we need to bear that in mind. Yeah. And give them a bit of leeway, a bit of patience, just as long as they're showing they're moving in the right direction. Yeah. So if anyone was to put, say, £1.29 on the 49ers to win the Super Bowl next year, Martin Hughes, hello to you, sir. <laughs> it, would, it would be... Um, Ambitious, shall we say? Just, just a tad. <laughs> <laughs> but what the hell? Why not? Was it two hundred and fifty to one? He got or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> shall we have a quick review of the Forty Nine ers season as a whole? Don't want to delve too deeply into it because you know we we tore the season apart as we were going through it, weren't we? Looking back now with hindsight, you know, there's been sort of five weeks since the 49ers season ended. We've seen 
Chip Kelly go out the door. We've seen Trent Balky go out the door. Could we have expected any more than we got, given the dysfunction that we had in the front office, given the head coach that we had brought in? You know, Chip Kelly, it was basically last chance saloon for him, wasn't it, in the NFL? It was, but I think we were starting from a position where Jim Tom Sula had never even been a coordinator, was coached and had won five games yeah. the previous year. And then you had a so-called offensive genius, experienced coach. I think we probably expected more than two. Maybe not seven or nine or anything like that, but I think we probably expected to win more than two games. Mm-hmm. As the season went on and we we seem to have more than our fair share of players drop into the IR. Do, do you still think that the record that we had could have been better, should have been better, given who we had left on the field at the end of the season? Were people on the field at the end of the season who weren't even household names in their own household? <laughs> Um, I don't know about the replacements, more like the replacements of the replacement. That we're yeah. yeah. Um, it's going to be difficult. We had a great first game, but we didn't seem to be able to build on that at all. Mm. And the goddamn meerkatting. Yes. What the did we ever get to the bottom of what that was actually all about? If it was designed to confuse the opposition, it was a unmitigated failure as it only appeared to confuse ourselves. Yeah. And as our defensive capabilities were decimated by injuries and poor coaching the fact that we were playing a hurry up offense that couldn't get past a three and out meant that the replacements of the replacements were spending far too long on the field and we just couldn't stop anybody from scoring as a experienced nfl head coach Supposedly, one had a winning record overall before joining us. Chip Kelly looked like he was playing the part of John Candy, just standing there looking dumb like Uncle Book on the sidelines most of the time. That's a very good show, actually. Perhaps if he'd gone to the boot of his car and got a golf club out, it might have helped. Um... We just didn't seem to be able to coach, motivate, lift the Mm. team at all. There didn't seem to be any animation coming from him. So there was nothing to spot or lead the team. Yeah. And with all the off-field shenanigans that were going on, I think we gave him a pass for far too long in the season. Yeah, that's true. Before yeah, actually yeah. turning around and saying, well, actually, a lot of this lies at your door. Yeah. 
there was no direction to the team, was there? In in the 2016 season, like I say, the the off field stuff that was going on, Trent Balky and all it all the front office stuff, there was just too much narrative to the 49ers and not enough concentration on the field. Yeah, I think the whole story with Kaepernick and his knee in the anthem mm. would have been a lot smaller of a story had the. Well, maybe not, but I think it would have taken less focus off the team had we actually played better. Yeah, it became the bigger thing, or the almost the only thing. It was it was an, another stick to hit the Forty ers with, wasn't it? Let's face it, you know. Oh, he's taking an E. The team are losing because of it. Whereas, you know, if the team had been winning, it's it's still a story, but it's no longer. An excuse, no longer a reason. It's just a distraction. Yeah. Um, and again, we use that to hide behind the fact that Chip Kelly wasn't doing a particularly good job. Mm. So it, it's going to be the season that every fan wants to forget, basically, isn't it? Unless you're a masochist, yes. <laughs> if you're looking for a, a sort of positive spin, I think you put it in three words: is we beat LA. <laughs> yeah, that that game didn't belong in that season, though, did it? It well, was beaten twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we swept LA. <laughs> the, the first game, the the twenty eight twenty eight nil, wasn't it? The very first game. That game did not belong in the 2016 season. Like we, we, we brought that game in from somewhere else. Um, but all we can do now is look forward. The, the 2016 season's gone. Uh, it's in the books. It's done with. All we can do now is look forward and see what's going to happen with the 2017-49ers. We still don't know what's going to be happening with Kaepernick, do we? Uh, he can't opt out until the 1st of March. Is that right? Yeah, because that's the start. Sometime in September, to be fair. Blue <laughs> first of March is the start of the league year, isn't it? So. Yeah, so so that's his opportunity to opt out. Whether he does, whether he doesn't, would you want to see him on the field again for the Forty Niners? Uh, you know, you always need a boy. <laughs> evil, evil. What what's more likely? Do you think, Kev? Do you think he's going to go somewhere else, or do you think he's going to re up with the Forty Niners? I th- I think he'll try and go somewhere else. Yeah. My worry is that he'll try and go somewhere else and he'll fail, and then we'll re up with the Forty ers where he'll be a distraction for all of next season as well. Mm. If the 49ers don't re-sign him. Are we still on the hook for any of his contract? Because his contract was renegotiated, wasn't it? No, because if he opts out of free agency, then we aren't, are we? Right. I think that was part of the negotiation from the 49ers side just before he started playing. Yeah. So there's been names bandied around, hasn't there? Um as a veteran quarterback to come in 
are for Kyle Shanahan. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo has been mentioned. Uh, Kirk Cousins has been mentioned as well, and Jay Cutler. Now, yeah. and somebody else as well. Yeah, Matt Shaw. Matt Shaw and Brian Hoyer as well has been mentioned. Right. Could you see any of those five coming in and taking a seat on the bench behind Kaepernick? Or could you see any of those coming in and they are going to be the starting quarterback? Ignoring the fact that we've got a draft to, to go through as well. None of them would be what you would call a franchise quarterback. No. Could they, could they do a job? Better than our raft of um, attempted quarterbacks we had last year. Yes, they could. Yeah. Would they be a good sounding board for a high draft pick who will be a future um, franchise quarterback? Possibly. Is there such a quarterback in this year's draft? Not so sure. Mm. Is it a holding position? And then we try to get that quarterback in next year's draft. Because there's looking like there's better possibilities to come out of next year. Yeah. So br- bring in sort of almost a journeyman quarterback just to get us through one year. Well, possibly one year and then be there to bring through the young quarterback mm. um, a couple of those names would be okay to do that there's a couple of names on there I'm not overly keen on the idea um, Cutler I think would be a bad choice um, he really doesn't show the stomach for the fight Uh, some of the other ones might be better. Mm. And I think if you look at Garoppolo, he's still fairly young and he's unproven because he's been sat behind Brady. Yeah. But he's probably spent the last two years working alongside Brady every day. That can't be bad. Mm. But I believe the price for Garoppolo being rumoured is a first and a third round pick what the Patriots won. Probably a bit high. I'm not sure we'd want to do that. Mm. It's in our first round as a second overall pick. I think the Patriots are looking for that because they don't have a first round pick this year, do they? Didn't they lose it from the um, the Deflategate scandal? I think that was last year. Fair, I don't think it matters. They yeah. pick up people in the fifth, sixth, seventh <laughs> yeah. round and make... Uh, or undrafted people and make them in, into highly effective players. Yeah. Is it a case then that they're trying to price Garoppolo out the market? So, yeah, he's available, but you're going to have to pay the earth for him if you want him. I think someone will do it, though. And I think the yeah, Patriots I'll... are happy with the other guy they've got, uh, Brissett, whatever he's called. Yeah. Yeah. I think, they, I think they're going in high as the Patriots have a want to do. Yeah. And first and the third might be excessive. If they end up, they get 
just a first-round draft pick out of it. If they've got their eye on somebody in particular, then I think they will consider that as being good business. Yeah. I think they will. I don't think it would be a good move from San Francisco's point of view to give up the first round. No. I think we're better off, with, like Kev was saying, getting someone in who's going to be a placeholder for a year, maybe start the second yeah. year and move in a mentor or a youngster. Yeah. If we were picking down the other end of the table, sort of in the last in the last 10 or so, it may well be a different proposition. But then if you're picking down that end, do you necessarily need a quarterback? It's a catch-22, isn't it? I don't know. There are, there will be some in the, that top 10 that do need a quarterback. Yeah. It'll certainly be interesting um, when the draft comes along. Um, so, And we're going to see all sorts of things happening with uh, trade swaps and that with the 49ers going on through the season uh, or through the off-season. If this is a complete rebuild, which... It kind of does look like it, doesn't it? It needs to be. Yeah. The, the talent on our squad is pretty much, possibly one or two exceptions, non-existent. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, if you look at the... When you've had expansion teams coming into the league, that's pretty much the state we're in with what our squad's like. Mm. We're going to start from scratch. It's going to be fun to watch, isn't it? Fun might be stretching it, <laughs> but it's going to be interesting, yes. Yeah. It It'll be, inter- be interesting to see what he does with, with the offence. I think, obviously, he does have the ability to, to run an offence. He's done that in, in Cleveland. And then, so he's... Obviously refused to work with Johnny Manziel, so he left there. Which makes me think he's not going to be particularly happy to work with Kaepernick now. Mm. Um, obviously he had some success from Washington as well as before he got to Atlanta. So he can, so he has turned teams sort of, sort of middle of the road in, I suppose. And had some success. And, I mean, there's some young players on the 49 squad who may or may not be good. That we have drafted recently. And it'd be interesting to see if he can turn them into something. Mm. Like he did with was it, was it Gabriel in the Super Bowl? In a fairly big game. And so yeah. sent Malcolm Butler on his arse a couple of times. Kev, do you want to run through the uh, the, the final standings for the, si- the for the pick six? Okay, so for the Super Bowl pick six we had the um, choices of who would be leading at the end of the first quarter, at the half, at the end of the third quarter, and who would win overall, plus their points that both teams would score. Going into the final weekend, John Newell was leading by two points. And then the last two minutes of the games, everything turned around. So before the um, final score by the Patriots in normal time, Brian Davis was actually leading at that point in time with the Falcons leading the game with the points they'd scored. He was half a point ahead of John Newell. Then when it went to level, John Newell took back over at the top. But then with the Patriots winning over time, 
and them scoring 34 points. Stuart Whitaker can blind through, getting five points for the for the Super Bowl itself, and coming from two points back to win by half a point in a very tightly contested playoff pick six. So congratulations to Stuart. Congratulations to John. And also uh, congratulations to Andy Mitchell, who also got five on the Super Bowl weekend. And if there were points available for it, he also was the only person who physically wrote out that it would be a tie at full time and that the Patriots would then go on and win. Absolutely incredible. And I've got to say, Kev, you were updating it as the game was going as well, which, fair play, how you were doing that, I don't know. <laughs> you, you've got to have some computer system running there to be able to keep updating that as it was going through. Once it's set up, it's fine. So. <laughs> On behalf of everybody yeah. in the group, I want to say thanks to Kev for running that this year. It's been a great, yeah. great competition. I forgot to mention, yeah, Rob, you managed to get a bagel this week in the Super Bowl predictions. <laughs> I did. I like round numbers. That's what it is. Yay! <laughs> so, remind me how we got half a point, Kev. So, it was if your points that you picked for the teams were within three. Ah, so, within right. the field goal. Yeah. And you, I, I knew I'd seen something for half a point, And I got, I think I got two and a half. Um... I couldn't remember. I just couldn't remember what it was to get half a point, but there we go. Um, so congratulations to Stuart Whitaker. Congratulations to everybody that took part, really, um, both with the the postseason, uh, the uh, the postseason pick six, and the regular season pick six. Again, it's been an absolute great fun this year, um, and as Rob said, um, Kev absolutely sterling job doing that um, right the way through the season. That is it for this week's show. Thanks to AudioNautics.com for the music. Thanks to James Little, Mark Lyon, Andrew Mitchell and Graham Ross for all the work they do on the group and the show. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Frequency49 and on Facebook search the Frequency49 Show. That is also it for the 2016 season of the Frequency49 Show. Thank all of you listeners for your support through the, se- through the season. We have a lot of fun making this show, even when the subject is more difficult than we'd preferred, especially through this last season. Um, Over the season, Graham Ross has been keeping to one side a selection of our outtakes and screw-ups from the recordings. Believe me, there have been so many. We're going to be giving you those um, at the end of this show. It also brings to an end my tenure as host of the Frequency 49 show. It's been my pleasure over the last two years to be part of this show and the wider group as well. I've had the opportunity to work with some fantastic and very knowledgeable co-hosts, present company included, guys. Thank you all for making the show what it's become in the the last two years. I'm really going to miss doing this, but it's time for me to move on, and I'm happy in the knowledge that I'm leaving the show in very safe hands. It is time to say goodbye, boys. Goodbye, boys. Goodbye. For my final time, on behalf of Kev Nalen and Rob Newell, I've been Paul MacDonald, you've been the audience, and this has been the Frequency 49 show. Enjoy the outtakes, guys. Welcome to the Frequency 49 show. I'm Paul MacDonald, alongside Deepak Gohill. Hello, Kev. Uh, I'll do that again, shall I? <laughs> That's one for the blooper reel. <laughs> That's one for the blooper reel, yes. Uh, okay, going again. <laughs>
Okay, Going. I'm recording. Me too. Are you recording as well, Deepak? Yep, just started recording now. Wonderful. Okay, if everyone's recording, I shall I shall count us in then. Um and then the clap on four, obviously. Three, two, one. It was a cacophony of Do we need a do-over? <laughs> <laughs> Who fell into their microphone? <laughs> that was me putting my laptop back down. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll do it again for the sake of Graham Ross's sanity. Oh, as always, get your pick six um, selections in nice and early, please. Makes it easier for Kev here. And um, who else is doing the pick six with you? Andrew. Um, <laughs> Kev's fallen off his chair. Graham, save me and just remove that bit out. Um, <laughs> Which he's not going to do. No, he's not going to, now, is he? But that wraps it up after week 15. Deepak, have you just fallen over? No, no, I'm... no, 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 no. It's um, it's not me. A dog interruption. Ah, hello, dog. <laughs> what? Why always me? <laughs> I want to start off the show with something different today, um, guys. You know how we um, we 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 I've kind of started four. this little thing about you've lost me. Can anybody else I've hear got me? Back now. All right. Unfortunately, unfortunately yes. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? No, I'm going. <laughs> no, I've got, I've got, I've got you back now. Okay. Um. So we'll move it straight into game one, and we'll get some picks from you. So the Vikings at the Packers. Paul, who's got music playing in the background? I can't hear any music. I can't hear anything. That must be the voice in your head, Paul. No. <laughs> I was going to say, Paul's losing it. Do you know what it is? It's a bloody advert on the NFL page. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why only you can hear it. Yes. <laughs> Excuse me. I'd scroll it's not the down the... for the medical substance, is it? Yeah. I'd scroll, <laughs> I'd scroll down the page past where the advert came up and I'd... <laughs> Where's that music coming from? Do you know anyone who thinks yeah, I'm doing this a, show drunk? <laughs> that's an improvement on Dipak. What music are you listening to? <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. <coughs> oh, cut all of this crap out, please, Graham. Please. <laughs> right. Do you want to go with that bit again then, Kev? <laughs> with, with which bit? <laughs> um, well, you, you, you've told you us the game, so... Okay, so... We're moving to game one, and it's the Vikings at the Packers. Have both of you got the stats from the Rams game email open at the moment? Yes. Yeah. Have you read? Have. have you read it all the way through? Ish. Crap. Ish yeah. yeah. I was gonna. I'm I, working on it. I was gonna test your knowledge on something, but it doesn't matter now. <laughs> oh well, fine. We'll do it. Okay. Well, do it. Well, you'll make us look clever then. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be nice. <laughs> fine. Go on then. Okay. Back on pod. Welcome to the Frequency 49 Show. I'm Paul MacDonald. Alongside me are Cat Victorino, Kev Nalen and Rob Newell. Good evening, everyone. Hello. Good evening. Well, we have had 
the NFL wildcard weekend. 12 teams have become four. Um, those four teams are destined... Yeah, we just skipped the whole round there. 12 teams have become four, yeah. <laughs> I'll start again. Thanks to Kevin Cadle for giving his time for the show today. That is it for this episode of the Frequency 49 show. I'm going to do all this again because I've lost me. I can't even find my bloody script. I need me script. Where's my script? There it is. Trying to do it without the script is not good. Just as well. I'm editing, editing this one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. right, there we are. Um, all right, so I'll You're going to get... You're going to get three three audio files from me because I don't know which ones are working and which ones yeah, that, aren't. Yeah, it's okay. Don't worry about it at all. Okay, right. So, I was saying very well done. You did great, Kev. Yeah, thanks very much. Always good to have a new voice on it. Has get any, people involved. Has anybody got anything to say before we wrap the show up? Blaine is a real American. <laughs> Graham, cut this next little bit out of the show. Um, guys, when I finish the show, should we end it with Beat LA? Just so we can. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, back onto it now, Graham. Uh, oh, no, back off it, sorry. Uh, I'm going to wrap the show up. Anything else before I wrap the show up? Uh, no. no. Pick no. Okay. pick six. What was that, sorry? What are we doing with the pick six? Uh, we'll discuss that at the end of the show, or after the end of the show. Okay. Okay, Graham, back on it now. That's it for this episode of the show. Thanks to AudioNautics.com for the music. Thanks to Rob Newell for the fantastic blog post he's been publishing over the last few months. Thanks to James Little for running our Twitter and Instagram accounts. Thanks to our researcher, Mark Lyon, for compiling the stats for today's show. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Frequency49. And on Facebook, search the Frequency49 show. It's time to say goodbye, boys. Goodbye, boys. Bye, everybody. On behalf of Kevin Not now, you pillocks. Yeah, cut that bit out as well, please, Graham. <laughs> Once I've said the bye for now bit, you pillocks. <laughs> Graham, welcome to the show in the editing world. Right, I'm going to say the goodbye bit again. Uh, time to say goodbye, boys. Goodbye, boys. Bye, on behalf of Kev Nalen and Deepak Gohill, I've been Paul MacDonald, you've been the audience, and this has been the Frequency 49 show. Bye for now. And it's a wrap. Oh, Graham, you're going to have fun editing that, mate. But on behalf of Deepak Gohill and... Kev Nalen, I've been Paul MacDonald, you've been the audience, and this has been the Frequency 49 show. Bye for now. <laughs> <laughs>